what it is actually. Call it a workshop. My name is Paul. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. And uh, I've had the privilege of coming here, not as a client, but uh, <laughs> as a visitor for about 11 years in a row. And uh, I've seen a lot of new faces over those years. And uh, some people, I had the great joy of watching them uh, when they first came in here. And sometimes you can see people's growth if you're not here all the time. If you see them every day, it may be like a slow. But I'd be away six months, I'd come back and they were still there and I could see them getting, it was just a perfect, uh, like an AA infomercial. <laughs> if you could have combined it and done it speed after four years. And, and you could sense the ones that are gonna be, be quote unquote successful sometimes. You can just feel it. And then, uh, and all it is is that little bit of willingness and also combined with an understanding that you're fucked, really. <laughs> I think they go hand in hand. The willingness can't continue without the second part, yeah? And the second part will just be a super bummer without the willingness, yeah? So that's the one reasons why we would keep using, because we didn't see this as in one of the prologues. It says uh, we are 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly, the word means it appears to be true or false to you. And so in that case, in, in my case, that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body was appearing to be a hopeless state of mind and body. So it made no sense to try to get better. I just figured I should just stay as low as I could until I got institutionalized or died or went to jail again. Basically, that was the logic. And when I came to my first meeting, I didn't come here looking for sobriety. I had made a deal that I would, uh, a lady made a deal with me that I could stay over her house if I went to an AA meeting. So she dropped me off at a men's meeting in San Francisco, March 21st, 1988. Went in there and uh, I felt hope in that room and it allowed me to really feel how hopeless I was. And, uh, and I had the three years before that night, uh, about three years before that night, my managing my own life, which would always lead me to having to be managed by other people, occurred where I entered a program called Delancey Street. I think they have a chapter in the city, but the, the basis was in San Francisco. And Delancey Street in the in the world of rehabs was like A plus. <coughs> fucking, you, you survived Delancey Street, you know, it was a very intense place. It came out of a, 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 a thing called Synanon, which is one of the first ones. One of the people in Synanon started Delancey Street and they used attack therapy and a lot of different modalities. Yeah, so I, hmm, I ended up on a bench. You don't end up there. Like no one sits at a coffee table looking at the next vacation spot and picks Delancey Street. You know what I mean? I was forced. I was, there was only one square left on the game board. And that was to go to this place, which I didn't even, the only reason why I knew it is a girlfriend of mine who, 
who became an ex-girlfriend quickly, had tried to drop me off there months before without me knowing what it was, hoping that like the door would just miraculously lock when I got in. And I asked them, what's going on here? And they told me, and I walked out, and she was gone. She had driven away. She had driven away. So months later, as I spiraled deeper into that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization, and I'm not a person who had a bottom. I lived on a bottom, basically. And... Uh, you know, I'd furnish it, I'd have people come over, but I was always living under the fear of an eviction into a worse bottom, because I didn't know how low I could go, really. I just, I had no unbelievable what we can tolerate. I mean, I would think, I, I would match our adaptability to the adaptability of a cockroach, really. Cockroaches are gonna live after the world is destroyed. They can adapt to the environment, no matter how style. And addicts and alcoholics of our type are pretty adaptable. We can sort of fucking make do in hell, really, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, sat on this bench. Oh, it was such a trip. I felt, it felt like this, really. <laughs> I sat on the bench and there was all these people moving back and forth and they were better dressed than I was at the time. And uh, they looked important and focused. And then there was a clock over this bar, which wasn't an active bar. It was an old building that had a bar in it that this place took over. And I had sat on this bench and it signified when you sat on it that you've lost the game of life. You know, you've, you're over, you've been moved over to the sidelines. So, but uh, I was in that incredible sense of terminal uniqueness. I was living more of a video of myself than really the exact experience. I had a story going on that override my daily experience, really. You know, I thought I looked, I thought I had it going on, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, most people would see me as a washed up addict, you know? And if you did the drug I did, you knew I did it, you know? It was, it was obvious. So I sat down there and there was a clock across the way and I, it said six o'clock and I made a statement putting a condition on this, on my recovery immediately. I'll give them until 6.30 to see me. I got, I got a lot of important engagements to keep. I didn't have a pot to piss in, I had nowhere to go, but I'm, oh, only give them a half hour to fucking save my life. So, so, so 6.27 or something, they called me in a room, they called an interview room. Like, you know, a couple, three people and me, and they asked me a lot of questions which were going over my head, but one caught my attention, which was, do you want a place to stay tonight? And that was really my target. I wanted a place to stay. I can't explain why, but you probably can fill it in. So I wanted a place to stay because I didn't have a place to stay. Because <laughs> I spent all the rent money that night that I was supposed to give the landlady. I didn't want to face her. So I ended up, you know, walking down the street to this place, the Lancy Street. So... They brought me in and I said, yeah, I want a place to stay. And they said, you have to make a two-year commitment. So I sort of went, gulped a little. I said, sure, I'll stay here two years. <laughs> I, I couldn't guarantee what I'd do a minute later. But, oh, yeah, sign me up. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they agreed. They said, all right. And then they, I was a full-fledged member of the Lancet Street. We had 300 clients in this big facility. They released me into that mass population. And, uh, you know, Delancey Street was a big enough buffer between me and me. And I stayed there for two years. Yeah. And uh, 
I'm not really proud of it, but I really thrive in an institutional setting. When people are telling me what to do, I can do pretty well. Yeah, if I'm telling me what to do, watch out. So, so uh, I'm in there, and they had the attack therapy, and you work six days a week. I think that what they did is now being used in private prisons. Yeah, they, they had slave labor. Really, they had 300 people that weren't getting paid. And we were working on moving companies, paint house painting companies. I mean, and the money was going to the facility. So, and they got everything donated, food, clothing, everything. So it's a weird little scene. So what happened is after about a year in there, I started to think, which wasn't a good idea. And I was thinking about, you know, what's my real problem? So I said narcotics, obviously. And then I, I, there was a little, I added an addendum, which says, but I could probably drink which I didn't run by anyone in the program. I just sort of kept it filed in my little secret file. <laughs> and I'm participating in the thing, and they uh, sort of liked me. And so they, they had an interesting uh, PR, public relations. They used to put out brochures, and they said their success rate, keeping people sober, was like 99%. But you had to read the fine print. You could never leave the Lancy Street. You have to live there the rest of your life to produce that condition, which I wasn't that wild about, you know, being institutionalized forever. So, so uh, they brought me in a room. They said, hey, we want you to stay five more years, Mr. Hedman. I go, well, uh, are there any other options? <laughs> and they looked a little disappointed. But I said, is there any other option that I can live here? And he says, yeah, there's a workout program. And you can, if you get an outside job and you get a checking account and you buy a car, after four months, because I was at the 20-month mark, you can graduate, like with flying colors. So that's what I decided to do. So I got a job. The funniest, this is funny as hell in, in hindsight. The first job I went to, I got hired. Now I thought that was miraculous, yeah? But really, the guy who hired me, the manager, was a huge cocaine dealer that got assassinated like a year later. So he saw exactly what I was. That's why he hired me. He's, this guy's a fucking coke fiend. I'm gonna get him on board. We can deliver coke with the fucking delivery truck. I swear to God, I thought, wow, first interview, I get the job. <laughs> Something's working for him. The guy got assassinated on San Bruno Mountain. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Not the assassination, but the assumption that why he hired me, you know, he saw a great professional potential, no, <laughs> give this guy a little coke, he's apt to do, do almost anything, so I got the job, get the car, Toyota Corolla, pick up, not pick a little Toyota Corolla, and uh, I know all I have to do is find a place to stay, move into, so I'm looking around, I find a nice apartment in San Francisco, two girls live there, it was in, it was, I could afford it and stuff, and uh, I applied, but there was 20 other people applying for it. But I looked pretty good at this time. I had khaki pants, blue blazer, hadn't drank it used in two years. And I'd like to say my realtor was Dr. Jekyll, but Mr. Hyde was going to be moving in. Now, Delancey Street had been telling me, though rather long, the period of being Mr. Hyde was over. I was going to be Dr. Jekyll from now on. I was hoping they were right, but I had a strong suspicion they weren't. So these poor girls, under the illusion it was Dr. Jekyll, 
they signed me up and then Mr. Hyde moved in because the first night after being let out at Delancey Street, I didn't know what to do with myself after work. I didn't. And time was like like an incredible burden. What am I, what am I gonna do? It's five o'clock, I'm not gonna go to bed till 11. So I, I started to feel that anxiety, the irritable restless and discontent. And then usually that uh, is a, pre, a prelude to the ideas the head gives me, which is it started telling me what I'd been missing for two years. With a, it wasn't factual based. It was sort of like romantic. Oh, those lovely nights with my junkie friends. <laughs> so I bought it, and I remember this bar I used to go to, um, California and Polk. So I drove my Toyota Corolla, which I was going to leave lose two nights later. And I walk into this bar. It was called the Rose and Thistle, and we used to call it the Nose and Sniffle. And I walk into the bar on th with this idea I can drink. Yeah. And I ordered my first beer in two years, and, uh, and you know the lights didn't come on, the A police didn't rush in, and I ordered another beer. And halfway through the beer, it wasn't enough. I wanted more. That could mean more beer, could be a lot of things, but I wanted more like that, like that. And then I looked around the room to see if I knew anyone who was selling more. And the same guy that used to sell more was still selling more there. He had like a franchise. Out of Rose and so I went into his office, the bathroom, and uh, he, sold, he sold me some more, and, uh, which is really a whole lot of less, really. Yeah. If you have to start doing the more, you're going to end up with a lot less. <laughs> but at the time, more seemed good, so I got it. Went out to my car, I opened up the bindle, did a line of more, the cocaine, and it was like Jack Nicholson in that movie, The Shining, at the end when he goes through that bathroom door, here's Johnny. And this is where, in hindsight, my whole idea about alcoholism comes from. Because there I was, two years, hadn't drank or used, and then something took me over, almost like a possession. To me, I see it as a mental parasite that can live dormantly for years. It can just lay low in the grass until the right circumstances arises so that it can bring you to fuck it, and then you're apt to do almost anything. So that, what, that happened very fast. I had the beer in two, suddenly moved right to the coke, and then suddenly that fucking ravenous thing appeared and I got moved over to the passenger side and I went on a 10 month run that night, from that night on. You know, and of course where I lived kept dropping down because I couldn't, you know, I got kicked out of that place, got another place. Yes, everything started to go down and down and down and that spiraling going down the toilet faster and faster and faster. And the muscle denial was so powerful in me it could keep out, out a whole lot of reality, yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, there I was just doing my shit and uh, just, just living in that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization, living in it, dealing it from there, everything. And uh, it took 10 months, took 10 months, because I had two years of health, yeah? Took 10 months, and uh, <laughs> what happened was I was, I ended up, I went out on St. Patrick's Day, not like I didn't go out the night before, the night before, the night before that, but it was a signpost in my little story. March 17th, I lost the car March 18th, 
March 19th, I have no idea. Yeah. March 20th, I still don't have much of an idea, but I had moved geographically a few hours north into, in a town called Calistoga in a trailer park next to this hang gliding airport. Now, I had no idea. And, it, you know, it's almost when you're in a blackout and you come out of it, it's like you're parachuting into a moment. It's like you're, on, you're behind enemy lines, but you, no one knows anything else, which I have my own theory about blacks out. Maybe I'll share it later. But you parachute in, and then you're... And so I'm looking at this guy, and we're drinking a bottle of Royal Gate vodka, very cheap vodka. It's probably called Smirnoff here or something. You know, they just slap a fucking thing with, like, pork... We were passing that bottle back forth, and I looked at the guy. I didn't know him, and uh, he had a big head, a big head with a very flat face, and he had a bulbous nose and varicose veins all over it, and you know. And I said to myself, this guy's a fucking bum. <laughs> and, I'm, uh, and then he's looking at me, and I read it like he's looking at me like I'm the fucking bum. <laughs> and suddenly something happened, and if I could produce it, I would love to for everyone. But it's not a producible uh, event. Yeah, I would say it's, it's driven by grace, let's say, if you want to call it. It's the... You can't be very specific about it, but you can see its effects as a whole lifetime after, which is mind-boggling. So something came in and stopped that streaming, because I believe the, the disease talks to you as you. Yeah. I think the problem resides in the mind, which is the diagnosis of AA. And I think to be more specific, it's the thought system. And we're the audience of the thought system. And if we have faith in the thought system, we find ourselves in the play the thought system is imagining. Yeah? Usually based on what's not happening, yesterday and tomorrow. So there I was. I saw this guy. The head stopped, and suddenly it's something downloaded in me, like a CNN news flash. It was just a headline, no story. And the headline was, I'm fucked. Yeah. Now, everyone who knew me knew I'd been fucked for quite a while, but it was sort of news to me, yeah? And as soon as it hit me, I'm screwed, the next download was, you know, uh, I'm not managerial quality, yeah? I, so I had already experienced the statements of AA before I got to AA. I hadn't read these statements, but I had lived them, yeah? I had lived a life run on self-will. And I saw how unsuccessful it was. I had lived all these things that are, are put into words so that there can be an understanding and an identification as with the disease as something other than us, hopefully. Other than us. Yeah? So the next thing, what happened is it changed everything. I had all new thoughts, and the thoughts was, I better go to the phone booth and call Delancey Street and see if they'll take me back, which I hadn't thought of in 10 months, you know? And so I went to the phone booth, called Delancey Street. They had been getting my newsletter for 10 months. They knew what had been happening with me. And they said, no, you can't come back. Maybe in a month, you can come for another interview. Doesn't mean you'll get in or not. So suddenly, some, the download brought a lot of stuff. And so suddenly, honesty showed up and I told them, hey, I don't think I have a month, you know? So then I called up a woman who I used to party with and uh, 
It's funny, a lot of my girlfriends were nurses also. I think there's some kind of thing going on there. Yeah, as an intravenous drug user. <laughs> Somehow I'm drawn to the, to the access that they have towards medicinal fucking apparatus. <laughs> but she was a nurse, so she had that compassionate heart, and I asked her to help me, and she had helped me many times. And so she agreed to do it one more time. I felt there, there was sincerity from that, that uh, download. And, but in the hour and a half it took her to drive up to where I was, I had a miraculous alcoholic recovery. I wanted to get loaded again. Yeah. And this is the problem. Without a way of life, those downloads won't extend in time long. Yeah. You'll feel so, so clearly you never want to drink again and you'll be drunk three hours later. We need a way of life with principles with what we have. We're not drinkers and users. We're fucking real alcoholics and addicts. We've crossed the line where now even the smallest amount excites that, that fucking parasite and also creates a physical craving, which is unbeatable combination. We're outmatched. You're not gonna survive it. Yeah, and even if you think you got away with it the first night, it's going to increase in volume and length and your end consequences. So we're past the point of any kind of choice, in my view. So what happened was uh, I tried to talk her, I got in the car, tried to talk her into, you know, I was in that situation that many of us find ourselves in at the end where I didn't have any money, yeah? So I had to convince other people to do what I wanted, which my batting average had been going down successfully. And I was really fucking pissed, really. Super pissed, because one time I had $35,000 of coke, and then you, you buy, you're buy trying to grovel for 20 buck quarter a gram, and this stuff sucks. You get one shot out of it. It's like fucking un... un it's like there's a, there's a image in Tibetan Buddhism called the hungry ghost, where there's this huge beast, you know, looking like it needs a lot of fucking food, but with a very small mouth. That's exactly what it's like with an addict, yeah? The addiction is never going to lead to a cessation. It's never going to bring us, you're never going to go, oh, thank you, Queen Cocaine. <laughs> never again do I need thee. Thank you so much. I'll pass on your message to others. No. You're going to do more and more and more. And the more you do, the emptier it is. Yes? So it's a perfect example of the hungry ghost. So what happened is I started trying to talk her into getting some beer, some cocaine, get the dirty magazines, rent their hotel room. She had followed that equation many times with me, hadn't been that successful for her, not that satisfying. So she said, no, we're not doing that today. Uh, do you want a place to stay tonight? I said, yeah, I do. And she says, you got to go to an AA meeting. So in hindsight, this seemed like incredible progress. The last time I had a deal, I made a two-year commitment. Now I only got is one hour. I can do that standing on my head. So she took me to a men's meeting, March 21st, 1988. And... Uh, I've been sober and clean ever since. So what happened with me, the possibility of sobriety downloaded, and then I had no idea of AA really, none. The next day, what was going to allow that sobriety to extend was introduced, which is AA, the AA way of life. Without that second meeting, that, that would have lasted maybe two to three days. 
yeah? But because it moved right into action, into AA, I found a way of life that's lasted 31 years, yeah? And this is one of the most important things to me for people who are of our type. There's no quick, quick fix because of time. You need a way of life. Yeah, you can go away for a month and have an incredible awakening and feel like you're never going to do something. But if the same old habits are going to pull you back to the same fuck it sooner or later. So this is what AA provides is a huge support for a new way of life, a way of life of abstinence and of principles. Yeah, because the, it's obvious the abstinence. See. If you allow one thought about a drug to come in and land, you start getting that smell, you know? You start sniffing around. You start, yes, it just, it can trigger the old bloodhound in you like that. Where's the fucking cold? Whatever, you know? I mean, it's really, so the abstinence is such a beautiful space. Yeah, you don't think about it anymore. You don't have any feelings around it. You've been placed in a position of neutrality with no effort or thought on your part. Yeah? And then that neutrality maintains itself over time. In the beginning, it's difficult because you've been going down the stream the wrong way. So to correct that, it may have to look like something abrupt has to happen, some real changes have to occur, but the other flow is the easiest off the way. You just gotta get released back into that stream. And the way you feel like it's gonna be now of AA won't be in a few years. This is the easiest off the way completely so that's why I always like to suggest because a lot of times all the talks are about the newcomer but the newcomer if they can feel this certainty that the old timers in this room may have about recovery that's the greatest message man. this thing the problem will get to a point where it will not exist for you you're not going to be fighting it or struggling against it it's going to be like it never happened that's a fucking great solution yeah? So I believe the, pro the solution is perfect and the delivery of it is perfect in AA. What we need to get clear about is what's the problem. Yeah? I don't believe that you're an alcoholic. I believe alcoholism has you. Yeah? I believe you can be taken over by many things. You can get be taken over by the spirit or you can get be taken over by a parasite. And you're going to be used to express the spirit's view, the spirit's nature, or the parasite's view. It's parasites. You, you're, you're open. Whatever takes you over is going to be the determining factor. Yeah? So I don't believe, and I believe it is a foreign installment. I believe alcohol is like a pathogen. Yeah? That's introduced to us, and how it amplifies itself is through self-centeredness, and how it actually constantly, constantly works on the host is by talking to the host seemingly as the host, when it's the parasite talking. We can't see the difference. So every time we meet the parasite in our life, internal life, we call it me. Yeah? This is the, to me, this is the point of the bondage of self. You don't know the root of the problem because you're taking yourself to be the problem. Yeah. If you could see alcoholism as other, then the possibility of really being free from it would be available. If you don't see it as other, you're going to try to be free as it. Yeah. And it's going to severely limit the effects of the program, severely limit them. After 20 years, 
of being under the influence of the higher power, you should be fucking pretty somewhat cocky about being okay a day at a time. You shouldn't be living in a fucking fear all day. 20 fucking years? No. No. There should be recovery progresses. Recovery progresses, yes? As it says in our thing, uh, a vision for you, it says constant that this higher power is going to constantly reveal to us shit. Constantly. It doesn't say only the first year. Constantly. There's going to be a constant revelation. Yeah? And all I... What changed my whole program was I, when I saw that what I was calling me wasn't me. Because I realized my desire for freedom was handcuffed by being identified as the problem. I was trying to, and we have a statement in our society, self can't get out of self. That's exact explanation. Why can't self get out of self? Because first of all, what you are is not self. Yeah? Self trying to get out of self is just more self. Just the idea of it in the book, it says, to me, the, the most, un, the, the unspoken step of AA is quit playing God. It doesn't work. Yeah? So let's just say that the problem resides in your head and it's playing God. Yes? It's telling you how you are, how you're going to be, how it is, how next year is going to be, all oh, this party's going to suck, whatever. It's constantly forecasting shit. It has no idea of it. Yeah? But we're avid subscribers to it because it sounds like it's from us and about us. And we're incredibly obsessed with self centeredness. Yeah? So here's. <laughs> When I came in, I swear, I sat down. I had a thick shell of terminal uniqueness. I thought no one felt like I did. No one could understand me. <laughs> no one thought like I did. No one did the heinous things that I did. After a few months of listening to people share at AA, I could only come to two conclusions. How do these people get my thoughts, or they're not my thoughts? Yeah? If everyone has your thoughts, they're not yours. <laughs> The sense of your is like a proprietary statement, like it's yours. <laughs> we're all being directed by alcoholic thoughts, and we're calling them out, ours. That's the bondage. We're calling a foreign installment's thought system our thought system, and we're enslaved to it. That's why we're living in what's not happening. The god of what's not happening is the parasite. The God of the parasite appears in the past and the future. The God that we are is only present. So it loves to take our attention and interest to the past because there it plays God completely. And it makes shit out of nothing. Most people who are flipping out, just look at the diagnosis. Most people who are flipping out here tonight isn't based on tonight. It's based on next week or, ne or last week. We're fucking out to lunch, pretty much. <laughs> and there's such a power that we have that something is using. I would call it our own God juice is being used by the parasite to play God on us, to tell you the truth. So it tells us what it's going to be like last week, and then you feel as if that's true now. You don't see the miraculous power that, that's implying? Like Jesus... His main credibility was he raised someone from the dead, a guy named Lazarus, supposedly. But we're making shit out of nothing all day. 
we're we're ruining this Friday night based on next week. I was at a talk, a meeting, AA meeting. The lady, it was July 14th and August 15th was dominating her. She was afraid about what she thought was going to happen on August 15th, but it was happening on 20, July 26th. And it override, overrode the experience of July 26th and replaced it with a narrative of August 15th. That's the bondage of self. The bondage of self is you and I being misplaced from this seemingly misplaced, from this present moment, and, and now our life is dependent or run by yesterday and tomorrow. That's why we like to shoot up in the neck. Because <laughs> we don't feel like we're fucking alive. We're jumping off bungee cords, off bridges. We want to feel like we're here because we, see, we believe we're basically not. When you were a kid, you know, life was happening to us. And then four or five years old, the brain started developing, and it got turned into life's happening to me. Yeah, it became a story. And we got, and then we entertained the story, and then the story captured us. Yeah? So it says, quit playing God. It doesn't work. All right. So I'm saying... We may be right now identified with that which is playing God. So if that which is playing God tries to quit playing God, what is that but playing God? What is that but described as self can't get out of self? What is it? What is it? Tell me. Give me a new answer to it. If that which is playing God tries to play, quit playing God, that's playing God. Ad infinitum. So self can't get out of self. You have to see you're not that which is playing God. And then the God juice that we're giving freely over to that, to that fucking parasite by calling it us is returned to where? Here. When? Now. So now you're awake. And that awakeness goes a long way to being content and satisfied. You're awake to being awake. Yeah. That's the, present, that's the spiritual condition. The spiritual condition isn't something produced, it's a fact. When the mental condition is diminished, you'll realize the fact that you are spirit. <clears throat> it's totally different than trying to maintain a spiritual condition as a body-brain. Seeing yourself as a spiritual condition is its maintenance itself. That's the highest form of maintenance is being it. So see what you're not and you'll find out what you are. You're not an alcoholic. It's not yours. If the best you could say is ours. There's one fucking parasite that's been running all of our lives. And the root of its running it is we all think it's individual. We think it's our life, our life, our life, our life. Yet, in this society, in this room, I bet you many of us ended up in the same parking spaces, three parking spaces, institutions, jails, and death. It overrode your financial situation, your ethnicity, everything. Alcoholism, the parasite, drives to the same fucking parking spaces, which every car takes over. Rich, poor, they all go to the same fucking place. Now they have a $40,000 rehab for the rich, and then you have social service poor, but you're ending up in the same direction. As soon as I saw it wasn't me, then the solution stabilized. That's why I'm here to share it. I am a fucking tribe member. 
I've been involved in this program 31 years, and the problem doesn't exist for me a day at a time. It doesn't exist for me. I have no interest or feeling about drinking or using. I'm totally ambivalent to it. I don't care if you do it. I don't give a shit. But I, it has no interest in me. None. Who could have, if I tried to produce that, that would be interest. Yeah? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Submit yourself to the program. The program will change you to the point where you'll be able to change. This isn't about, I'm going to change my life. No, you've already done that. <laughs> In comparison, no, this is about something else changing your life. Yeah, A tried and true methodology that has the grace. We're in tradition too right now. There's a loving God expressing ourselves in our group conscience right now in this room. You'll probably, hopefully, feel a little bit different and better when you leave here. The words don't mean anything. It's the feeling we're changing. Freedom is fucking contagious. A certainty in freedom is very, 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 very attractive. I don't want to know, I don't want to be a great manager of alcoholism. I want to be free from fucking alcoholism. I want to do inventories just to the point where I don't have to do inventories anymore. The best, my idea of the best time in, the, in, the, in my life in relationships with a tool is when they're put down. Yes? I want to be a, I am a free range alcoholic, basically. The sky's the limit, man. The sky's the limit here. I don't know if you do it here, but where I, in San Francisco, we would, the sponsor would have us write down what, what, just imagine all that could possibly happen in a year of sobriety. And then if you stuck with it, they'd bring out the paper and you'd see how short change you did yourself. You're so fucking, this parasite has made us so fucking small. You're just hoping to not act out at the next fucking picnic. <laughs> For me, it was my idea of success was not to be arrested, really. That's, and that was only after a few years of alcoholism. I mean, how low can you go? Fucking pretty fucking low. Yeah, so. so there's a freedom, there's a solution. Allow it to work on you. Your period of thinking you're working it is quite minimal. It's the first few years when you're working the program. Then obviously there's a shift where it's working you, and then there's, there's a living of it, yes? There's a living of it. It doesn't stay, I've been working the program for 40 years, then you've been working something else, because this program doesn't demand work. In the beginning, there's work. Then you see that it's working you, yes? Then, after a while, you're living it. If not, it wouldn't be worth anything. It would be knocked over in your first incident out there. This is a change of life. This, is, this, this will change your attitude and outlook. We don't even know what our attitude and outlook is. We don't know. I just work with my nephew, a fucking run-of-the-mill drunk, an addict, just asking me for money, and I'm fine because I'm accountable for it. But it's like I'm, I, I could have, before the conversation even starts, I could have written a whole script. I've talked to thousands of them. 
We're not dealing with you and you and me. We're dealing with the fucking parasite. And then when you get into all the consequences it produces, then it fucking just lifts off you and you suffer the fucking consequences. You're going to be in jail for the 30 years. It wants to lead you to fuck it. Once it gets you there, it's going to suggest shit. And you're probably going to follow at least one of those suggestions and you'll get jackpotted. That's how it goes. Once, you know, let's say here, if you see alcoholism, it's an amplifier. Everyone has self-centeredness. We're extreme versions of self-centeredness. So alcoholism affixed to the self-centeredness amplifies certain qualities. So let's say I have a tendency to be jealous. I start drinking and using. In a few months, I'm on, up on stalking charges. Yes, it amplifies it. Yes, this is what it does. It doesn't amplify inclusiveness, compassion, empathy. It amplifies, fuck you. I'm right, you're wrong, and you've done it to me. Really. And the first big wave when you're in this program, new or not, the first wave is when you and I finally see our role in things. Someone has a story for 30 years. Oh, that fucker cold cocked me at that bar. And yet, if you saw the videotape, you were making eyes with his girlfriend 20 minutes before. That's, that's just selectively forgotten. So the narration gets reinforced. And then you get, a, oh, yeah, someone cold cocked. And you just fucking, you know, it's like you share it on a stock exchange, fucking stories. And yeah, you get to be alone and right. Wow. That's a win. <laughs> you're like you're, you don't even have to be enslaved you you enforce the slavery on yourself you don't even have to put in the handcuffs you fucking you know you get your shirts tailored to fit them <laughs> oh I'm looking cool no you're not you're a fucking washed up addict I'm hoping that we'll all be done before we're done, because we're all gonna die. I'd like to see us all be done with this fucking thing, so that we can at least have a part of a life, yes? And be available to ourselves and to others, and be put to use by something other than this parasite. Because the higher power will do exactly the same thing as the parasite. It will take the same information the parasite does to build its case, and it will use you to f use that information to free you. Everything that's ever happened to you will put to be will be put to good use through the higher power in AA. Shit that you would said, there's no value in this fucking life. I lived for five years. Then you enter AA and it's put to great use. That's the that's the indication of the pie the higher power's nature. You know the nature of the parasite. The higher power, the nature of the higher power is completely different. It's win-win, it's inclusive. Yeah. And suddenly, I'll tell you, man, one of the most foreign effects of the program that took me a long time to figure out was acceptance of this. I finally was living in like a field of acceptance of what I'm not. Instead of a constant urban renewal project having to constantly worked or fucking whatever, it was just, I realized this is a Toyota. It's not going to be a chariot of the gods. Yeah? Yeah, it's just, just stay out of trouble and, you know, go to thrift stores and get some lattes. Yeah. Let's not have high goals. Yeah. yeah, and just be put to use. And then you're available and present. 
Can you deny that you're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching right now? Can you deny it? Anyone? No. I, do you have any volition in it? If there's a siren going on outside, you don't choose to hear it. You hear it, and then maybe you thought, I didn't want to hear that siren. But the hearing happens first, yes? Yeah? So the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching is happening first. That's the basis of the experience here. And then after that comes the mental idea of what that means. Yeah? So now the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, touching is used to imply the seer, the hearer, the feeler, the taster, the toucher. That's the bondage of self. The bondage of self is owning shit that you have nothing really to do with. Yeah? You are not what's seeing. Something's seeing through, and it's not the eye that's seeing. The eye is a machine that facilitates seeing, but it's not, if this body was dead, the eye wouldn't be seeing anything. If you transplant it into a live body, it would facilitate seeing. It's not the body, it's consciousness, it's spirit. Spirit is first or primary, and then everything comes after. We have the cart in front of the horse. We think we're a cause when we're not. We're at the effect of tons of shit. Yeah? If you find what the real cause is, which is our own nature of spirit, then the horse will be in front of the cart and fucking life will make sense. And if you're in the first year, I suggest if I had a prayer, pray for the ability to be convinced. You have all the information you'll ever need to, to, to rest a sober life on. You don't need any more fucking research, yeah? You're basically fucked. <laughs> let's move on. Really, let's, let's ask for the ability to be convinced, which means to believe with certainty. And what certainty do you believe in? I am powerless over alcohol and drugs. And I'm not managerial quality. That something could do for me what I can't do for myself. That any life run on self-will will not be successful. That self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. I have not defeated me. Self has, yeah? We're the us, and then there's this idea of self. Self is what has defeated us. Not us, self. So when you're doing an inventory of self's manifestations, try to, try to refrain from calling them your manifestations, because they're not, yeah? It says it in our book, read it if you like, 64. <laughs> it goes into the inventory process, and he says it in a lot of different ways, but this is the one that got me. It says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, when, now, being. It doesn't say, I was convinced, or I thoroughly will be convinced, it's being convinced. You're very clear at observing your own life, these certain things. You're an alcoholic, yeah, you cannot manage your own life, all that stuff. Nothing's going to, you know human power is going to relieve you of it. These things you need to be convinced of, yes? So now you're convinced, and it goes, all right, being convinced that self, that self, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. We're us, yeah? And then there's something called self. If, it were, if I defeated me, it would have been 
All right, being convinced that Paul manifested in various ways is what has defeated Paul. It doesn't say that. Self, us. It separates the two. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We're going to look at some of its common manifestations, and this is the inventory process. The next paragraph says resentment. So follow it, yeah? One of the common manifestations of self in one's life is resentment. So when you're occupied by an extreme version of self, which is alcoholism, you're going to see a lot of resentments, a lot of threats where there aren't any. Yes? Your perception is going to be skewered. Not by you, but by self. So it's sort of like someone shared when he came in, how Stanley, well, I use an example. So here's Stanley, and Stanley's manifesting through Paul. Yeah? And when Paul recognizes the manifestation coming through it, it calls it mine. I would be the, in the act of being identified as Stanley, yes? I'm not Stanley, but I can be in the act of being identified as Stanley. By what? By calling Stanley's manifestations my manifestations. This, to me, is the root of alcoholism. It's the act of being identified as what you're not. And this thought system reinforces it all day. To me, that's the bondage of self. I don't believe it's obsession. I believe the obsessions, yes, are used to reinforce the identification. That's as simple as that. Yeah? So being convinced, being convinced now, yeah, please, that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So there's the separation. We will now look at its common manifestations. Resentment, then they go into fear, then they go into harming other people in pursuit of what you want. Then why does it does it make sense then? Why am I calling them my resentments? If self manifested them through me. Am I the owner of them? No. Am I accountable for them? Yes, here, but I'm not responsible for them. And this idea of responsibility and accountability always comes up. So let's say I have a dog and my dog shits on the neighbor's lawn. So the neighbor calls me up. Now I'm accountable for the dog shitting, but I didn't take the shit. Right? So I go over there and I clean up the shit, and basically I forget about it. Now if you think you took the shit, you'll be thinking about for fucking years. Why did I shit on the neighbor's lawn? I'm a shitter on neighbor's lawns. Your head would have a field day. But no, you're accountable, but you're not responsible. You're not responsible. So when you read the step, the palace over alcohol and drugs, that's sort of like you've been dancing with a gorilla. You're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Then why are you allowing the head to manufacture so much guilt and shame from the behaviors you really had nothing to do with? When I drank or used, I was apt to do almost anything to anybody unless you could physically stop me. There was no volition. As soon as I started drinking, there was no volition. Where's the forgiveness? I think it's overdue. I do. I think it's overdue. Because again, the God of self plays in the past, and it harvests a lot of crops of guilt and shame from the past. You could be off that hook if you saw the powerlessness of the disease. Yeah? You were used for transportation. You do not see the car that was used for the bank robbery in court. You don't. Yeah? You don't. 
The car had really nothing to do with it. It got him there. <laughs> so when I this dawned, this I saw this that sentence in AA in a new light. The first thing that happened was I could I saw it as foreign, and the first possibility was I can be free from it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And then it explained in a second that I'd been trying to be free as it most of my life. It showed the futility of self trying to get out of self. Just like that, I saw it. Yeah. All the, that what was holding it all back was being identified as it. As soon as I saw it as other, I could be free from it. Yeah, and then, fuck it, it told me I'd been trying to be free as it most since I've been six years old. I've been trying to get out of me as me all this time. That's why it failed. Yeah? So, AA is a beautiful way of life for the action figure. Mm. All the corrections that were needed for this to be, you know, stay out of trouble a day at a time has been already done. Yeah? I don't have to go over everything with a fine tooth comb. I don't look at every intention or motive I have. Like, why do I go to Goodwill? I don't know. Find a <laughs> pair of pants. <laughs> There's not much. I don't need to do a lot of fucking internal research because I think a lot of that turns into fucking see there's there's a fine line between investigation of self and self-obsession yeah there's a fine line and I've seen a lot of people I've worked with where I had to tell them do not fucking do any more inventories go out and enjoy your sobriety yeah going over every minutia of, it's all obsession with self and it says it in our book, it talks about it. You know, the person driven by self-will can be virtuous, kind, and all this. It's not just one side, it appears both ways. Yeah, so. Everyone I hope here is sober tonight. Let's, let's, let's ha have that become a basis. And all the other shit can work out pretty well over time. But let's all agree, why don't we just allow this basis to stay at the foundation? Maybe you'll be fucked up tomorrow, but you won't be fucked up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just have that become the sound foundation. And then see what this program and what this power will do through you and for you and as you and with you. Yeah? And perhaps you'll really realize there is a better way. What is the better way AA offers as a way of life? Instead of trusting something finite, which is self. Instead of trusting self, we're going to trust something infinite. How do you trust self? You're fucking devoted to the thoughts. The disease communicates through the thoughts. It uses the thoughts to get a point across. It has to convince you to do shit it can't do. It cannot drink. Alcoholism doesn't have an arm or a mouth. It doesn't have a pore to stick a needle in. It has to convince you to get its fucking food. And it's just like every other parasite in nature. I'm a big follower of parasites. <laughs> I'm serious. And people send me a lot of shit because I am. But the first one I got introduced to, which blew my mind, was a species of mushroom called cordyceps. There's a lot of different ones. And so the cordyceps, because in, in life, Everything has this giant uh, 
impetus, which is to reproduce. Yeah, that's their drive. And so the mushroom has a very, very faulty system of reproduction. It has to hope that an animal will, will, you know, hit it and get some of the spores, or the wind will blow into the right direction. So realizing that was a little too chancy, it learned another method, which is it, the cordyceps. It when it blows off, it lands on ants, and it burrows into the ant and it jacks into the ant brain, and it tells the ant where to go. And once the ant delivers it where it wants to go, a better environment to fucking grow, it kills the ant and grows the, uh, right out of its fucking head. Wow. Wow. <laughs> sort of sounds like alcoholism. <laughs> it does to me. It sure does. I mean, I was growing some strange shit out of my behaviors. And this, so and they have another one, a toxo, which is a, it's, it's nickname. It's in a lot of mammals. It's in us. 20% of people, I think, have it in their brain, but it's mostly dormant. And the same thing, the cordyceps, had, I mean, this toxo has a huge uh, obstacle. It can only reproduce in the belly of a cat. That's the only place. I mean, talk about you're having a hard time getting a date. Yeah. This is fucking unbelievable. So this thing has to, this thing is unbelievable. So it finds itself in a rat or a, or a mouse, and so it convinces the rat to run up to cats. Like, basically, with a knife and fork. Just fucking eat me, eat me, eat me. The cat eats the rat. Cordyceps gets into, I mean, the toxo gets into the rat, I mean, to the uh, belly of the cat, and then shits out the parasite. Produces itself again. It can't do it, but without the parasite. Guess what? Alcoholism can't be alcoholism without us. It needs to express. It needs to fucking leave effects. It needs to influence. It needs to mark. It needs to tattoo. It needs a lot of shit. Yeah? And it has its drive, and you can see it. It doesn't have an infinite amount of traits. And you know where it likes to go. Why do you keep calling? Why are you allowing this head to keep implying it's you talking about the trip that you're on? You're not the driver. You're being driven. The same thing with the higher power. The higher power will take you. And if you perform its works well, which is service, and you stay close to it, it's going to take care of you. That's the promise in page 63. Why aren't we acting like that? I know people, their whole life comes from AA. Every job, everything. AA is unbelievable what happens through this thing. Unbelievable. When do you get to be convinced? When is it, are you constantly having to have fucking evidence? I believe there's a faith in what we're not. I believe there's a faith in the thought system and it's producing anxiety about yesterday and tomorrow to the point we're having the symptoms of physiological fear but without any apparent threat. We're like getting zapped like 20 times a day, like a little electrocution, you know. And how can someone understand because it's not happening to them? They're like, why the fuck are you, you know. You're in Hawaii, every, you planned it for months, and now you're super pissed. Why? We're in Hawaii, we made it. So, because you're not in that little individual porno field. 
But it is an individual. It isn't. It's a lot. It's it's the same same fucking theater with the same play, but then everyone gives it a different name. Me. <laughs> it's the same same. So, yeah. Any questions? <laughs> See what, if you see it is not you, it goes a long way. It does. How can you be free some, how can you be free from it if you're attached to it? You know, and it's not going to become a service animal. It isn't. <laughs> it's not going to be a little pet. It isn't. It's not going to behave. It has a nature, and that nature is to get a life that it can, and we're supplying a life for it to express to it. That's what it wants to use this. So, yeah, and hold on one second. One more thing. It's such a hostile parasite, such a hostile parasite. It has come up with the greatest, really, the, just like the cordyceps and shit like that. It, ha it has convinced the host that it's the host. It's unbelievable. It convinces us that it's us. And we're defending it and living for it and protecting it and oh it's incredible and you're worrying about someone you're never even going to be the idea of the person you're worrying about called you that's you're not even going to be like that when you arrive all the worrying has been for an imaginary fucking person you know I, I would imagine the natural resources could be put to better use <laughs> you know what I mean maybe lighting up your day I don't know I don't know I sort of feel I mean no one's going to do it for you you might as well be what you're looking for yeah, you might as well be content and satisfied it may it may cause your uh, pursuit of happiness to turn into a leisurely walk yeah. <laughs> you know, I told the story. Can I go on a little bit? <laughs> we were talking outside, and I, there's a story. I was, uh, I was going around the world. One of the great benefits of AA in 2000. I was living in Australia, and I got a really good ticket. And so I was on my pursuit, and I went to Turkey, and uh, and. Uh, Turkey, Istanbul is a beautiful city, and they've got this famous blue mosque, very famous, and they have this place called the Sophia, I think, and it was a it was a Muslim uh, an, a Muslim uh, temple, but then one day they were working on it, and they found mosaics underneath, and it was a Christian church in the early like one or two hundreds. There's more beginning of Christianity in Turkey than almost anywhere else. Yeah, it's really incredible. So. We were walking around there, and a guy with a nice suit, a very good-looking guy with nice haircut, came and said, hey, I, hey, can I show you around? And of course, I'm always suspicious. You know? <laughs> What's this guy? You know? But he was pretty cool, and he took us around, and then he brought us to this door, this brick building, and knocked on the door, and a guy looking quite like him showed up, and then the guy we were with just disappeared, and this next guy brought us in, and he says, oh, what's your name? I go, Paul. He says, Mr. Paul, do you want Turkish coffee, apple juice? I said, I'll have some apple juice. And they brought us into a rug emporium. 
and they do they really incredible. It's a huge mm -hmm. thing there. And they they bring the rugs and they're twisting them, and you see the light coming on them. And there's like eight people look exactly the same. Keep taking it's like tag team. They come out with another rug, and they're doing they, more apple juice. Yeah, I'll have some more apple juice. And they're incredible presentation. And they go, I go. They go, I said, I really like your, your rugs, but I don't have a flaw. I don't live anywhere. <laughs> so I have a great immunity to the advertising. Because what am I gonna fucking do with a rug? I don't have anywhere to live. So they said, well, we can fold it and put it in your knapsack. I said, oh, I'm not, that sounds, that's absurd. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is what the spiritual condition does. Yeah. And then that thing that's usually just reinforcing itself, you can see it trying to advertise. Yeah? Yeah? Most of what it's, what it's doing now, we've already bought the product. It's just reinforcing it, insinuating it more. It's just playing on it already. But if you get that little bit of freedom, you'll see it as a fucking salesman. You'll see what it's trying to sell you self and you'll see where it wants to sell you past and future you'll see it you won't be looking from it you'll see its presentation and in that position you have the ability to stay in abstinence yeah and if a thought doesn't compel an action yeah if the thought just passes through here the thought wants to break this membrane we're like a membrane and it wants to compel an action so one thought, like if I have a thought, I hate my girlfriend. Maybe I've had 50 times I've had that thought, but I never, but I never said it. And then this one night I say it to her, you know, I hate you. And then I go out, get loaded, whatever. I forget about it, but she doesn't forget about it. Nor do all her girlfriends hold up. Hold up. So now... For the next years, you know, when years. push comes, you know, you said you hated whatever, yeah? So that thought has extended in time. It's gotten a life, so to speak. It couldn't. It needed me to be, you know, it's like the, there's no diving without the board. It needs the board to dive in. And so the thoughts are just here, but they, they want to compel us to act out and then their life gets extended. I know guys in prison who killed someone in a blackout. And so every time they try to get over what put them in this the rest of their life, they don't even remember it. That's how insane it is. They don't even remember what has now dictated the rest of their life. This is happening all day. We need freedom from the effects of thoughts. Yeah. And the AA program will allow something to come and become available which is pause yeah and pause is always before the thoughts not after the thoughts mm -hmm. pause is before that's where the thoughts can be diverted yeah they won't break out they won't leave a mark you won't get tattooed by them yeah because thoughts actually their nature is to come and go I could go on more, but it better. let's just leave it at that. I believe it's the my of the thought that gives it power. I believe we're identified as the thinker that gives the thoughts power. I do. I don't believe we're the thinker of thoughts. I believe we're, we're the noticer of thoughts, but I don't believe we're the thinker of thoughts. And I do believe most of the thoughts that we're having in this room are alcoholic-based. There are certain sy systemic thought system 
that has been recognized since 1935 and has been fucking revealed, yeah? So that others who are suffering from it may be able to see what it's not, and it's not us, yeah? So, yes, so uh, I hope you come back tomorrow night. Yeah, and we have books out there. I have a, we did a book on the 12 steps called Under Arrest, and we have a new one out called uh, On Having Never Left. There's a famous yogic, you know, people do yoga, yogic mantra, translated in a lot of ways. This one way is, uh, it goes, gone, gone, gone to the other shore. Now, in spirituality, the other shore means like awakening or freedom, yeah, in Buddhism. So it goes, gone, gone, gone to the other shore. On, on arriving at the other shore upon never, on, on having never left. You see? You see it? So basically, what gets diminished in AA is a mental condition, so the spiritual condition can shine unobstructed. You do not produce a spiritual condition, and I do not believe spirit has any maladies. It's not a spiritual malady, it is a mental, emotional malady. Yeah, The spirit is pristine and untouched. And there's another statement in the book, a lot of them, but this one, where it says we manufacture our own misery. Yeah. Now, I believe we provide the facility for shit to be manufactured. But I don't believe we're the manufacturing of it. I believe the parasite has taken the factory over and it's producing misery. That same factory can produce joy, service, compassion. Exact same factory, the same fucking stuff in there. It matters who's fucking directing it, who's running the factory. So we're saying in AA, self, a life run on self-will or self-reliance has failed you, yeah, which is the root of the problem. So reliance on self to an extreme level to me would be being identified as a self. You can't be more reliant on it that, than taking it to be you. That is the root, yeah? So the freedom from that, the weakening of that. So here, now my facilities are being run by something else and they're not being used to manufacture a misery. So I don't believe we're the manufacturer of misery. I don't. I think what happens is the misery is manufactured, and underneath there it says made in Paul. But I don't, I don't believe that. I don't. I'm not going to take ownership of it. Yeah. So that's it, eh? It's been